Um, and today we are looking at Light of the World and Rachel led us in worship with that song which wasn't planned. So obviously God was moving in our household so we sung about Light of the World and we're going to look at one of the I Am sayings where Jesus says, I am the light of the world. Um, so last week we looked at I am the bread of life. So it's really important, these sayings that Jesus said, seven of them in John, uh, about who he is, his identity, and what that means for us and his church and his people now. Um, so I am the light of the world. It's a pretty bold claim, isn't it? But one that we'll look at more in scripture that's really rooted in Jesus' identity as the son of God and his mandate and his mission to empower and equip us as the church to also now, I would say, be the light of the world in the world around us. So 2,000 years ago, there wasn't electricity. I think we can all agree on that. So Jesus saying, I am the light of the world, would have had quite a significant impact because a lot of the time, in the time that Jesus was walking on this earth, it was very dark. So they had fire, obviously they had torches, they obviously had the sun and the moon. But when the sun went down, if you didn't have any fire, pitch dark, you know, total darkness. You know, it's not like now, street lights, car headlights, bulbs, TVs, mobile phones that give us all light. There wasn't a lot of light. Electricity wasn't invented, I found out exactly this week, till 1752. And we didn't really harness that until we could use it in homes for another 100 years. So 2,000 years ago, saying I am the light of the world would have had a really big impact. So they would have had long periods of real darkness. I don't know if you've ever been camping and got out of your tent at night and you get out and if there's no um, stars or moon, it's like pretty pitch dark, isn't it? Because you don't really see pitch darkness in cities because there's always street lights and things like that. Um, when I did the Pennine Way when I was 19, many years ago, it's a three-week walk from Edale all the way to Scotland. And because I was a student, we couldn't afford to stay in a youth hostel every night. So some nights, we'd stay in a tent. So we pitched a tent up, you know, had a sleep, got up the next day, and then walked the next 20 miles. The last stage of the Pennine Way, if you've ever done the walk, um, it's about 30 miles, and there's like nothing, basically, literally nothing. It's on the Scottish borders. There's like nothing, no civilization. So we decided, right, we're just going to, get as far as we can, we're just going to camp, we're just going to find somewhere to put our tent up, sleep, and then do the last bit of the walk. So we did that, final night, top of the Cheviot Hills on the Scottish borders, put our tent up, and I remember getting up in the middle of the night, and I think we were about three miles from any other civilization. That wasn't obviously the middle of nowhere, you don't really get that many places in the UK, but it got out of my tent, and it was absolutely pitch dark. And I just thought, wow, this is what it probably was like for Jesus when he stood up and said, I am the light of the world. So when he said that, I think it really caused people to pick up and listen. And as often as Jesus said that, you know, people, he was there to sort of challenge, to provoke, to sort of set out his stall. Um, and the passage that we're going to look at in a moment in John chapter 8, in John chapter 7 and 8, Jesus spoke about being the light of the world in a particular religious festival um, and it was during the Feast of Tabernacles, or the Feast of Booths. Um, and this feast refers back to when um, the Israelites were led out of Egypt, and uh, the Lord led them by a pillar of uh, cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. So it was like they were led out and um, knew where to go because they followed the cloud and followed the fire. Um, and the Jewish people um, remember that in the Feast of Tabernacles. So they were celebrating that 
when Jesus said, I am the light of the world. So he is referring to something. They were already starting to think about God leading them by light with fire. Um, and he wants to uh, you know, re- reiterate that. And Jesus does that a lot. He, he talks about things um, like when he was in the countryside, he talked about sheep and being a good shepherd. When he was on the boat or on the beach, he talked about the disciples being fishers of men. When he was in the city, he talked about selling all your possessions and giving to the poor and not making excess profits. So he, he identified the context he was in, what the people were already thinking about. But as ever, he took it on to a new level because he saw what was in the law. He saw what was in the Old Testament and he came to fulfill that and go beyond that and to set a new direction. So this seven-day festival was quite a big thing um, for the Jewish people. Um, And we see that they celebrated that throughout the Old Testament. We see that in Nehemiah 8, verse 14 to 17. Uh, And basically, they lived in tents for seven days. And I think it's got where some people think we got Bible Week kind of concept from, that the Jewish people lived in tents or booths. It was kind of not really a tent, but you can call it a tent. Um, And they did that for seven days to remember how uh, the Lord led them away from Egypt through the wilderness to the promised land. Um, And this was something they were still celebrating. Um, And the time that it was was on the first day of the festival, the 15th day of the seventh month, um, and meteorologically, um, apparently, the sun setting was followed directly by the rising of the moon. So there was a continuous light. The sun set and the moon came up. And just the way that it was, there was light coming from nature all of the time. So Jesus was saying, that's nature giving light, but I'm the real light of the world. Look at me, look at my authority, look at who I've been sent by the Father to have that impact in your lives in this world. So he was was kind of hinting at something that happened in the Old Testament, but taking it on to a new level. So let's read John chapter 8, verse 12 to 20. So when I do the kids' work over there, I always like somebody to read the passage. So have we got anybody brave to read John chapter 8, verse 12 to 20? And I'll come and give you the mic so that people who are listening to this can hear it as well. Any takers? Oh, thanks, Matt. Go for it. When Jesus spoke again to the people, he said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. The Pharisees challenged him. Here you are, appearing as your own witness. Your testimony is not valid. Jesus answered, even if I testify on my own behalf, my testimony is valid, for I know where I came from and where I am going. But you have no idea where I come from or where I am going. You judge by human standards. I pass judgment on no one. But if I do judge... My decisions are true because I am not alone. I stand with the Father who sent me. In your own law, it is written that the testimony of two witnesses is true. I am one who testifies for myself. My other witness is the Father who sent me. Then they asked him, where is your father? You do not know me or my father, Jesus replied. If you knew me, you would know my father also. He spoke these words while teaching in the temple courts near the place where the offerings were put. Yet no one seized him because his hour had not yet come. Great. Thanks, Matt. Very well read. Um, And yeah, we can see here that Jesus establishing himself that he is the light of the world, that he's different to the darkness. But as always, the Pharisees were really challenging about 
Why are you saying these things? Where do you get the authority to say these things? Where is your father? Who is your father? They really hadn't grasped as yet who he was. Um, and obviously, that's why they challenged him and ultimately crucified him, as we see later in the scriptures. But Jesus talks with real confidence about his identity, how he talks with his father, about where he has come from, referring right back to the long eternal plan of God that we see in the pages of the Old Testament. Um, and when challenged on this, he tries and you know, identifies and positions himself as the eternal son of God, his relationship with the father. And that's why he has the validity to say, I am the light of the world. So let's turn to Genesis 1, verse 3 to 6, to look at the first mention of light uh, in the Bible. It's always good to look at the first mention of something in the Bible, because um, often it gives us a clue to what God wants to say to us about light. So Genesis 1 and verse 3 to 6, it says this, And God said, Let there be light. And there was light. God saw that the light was good, and he separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. And there was evening, and there was morning the first day. So in the first pages of Scripture, we see uh, the first mention of light, God separating night from day, and that light was good. God said that light was good. Light created order. It created a day. It created our rhythm of life when we go to bed, when we go to work, when we get up, uh, when some people go to work at night. But it sets the tone and the context for life and that God identifies that light being a really good thing. So here we see that darkness is not good. Light is good. Um, and that's a narrative that comes right throughout what we're going to look at today. Um, Last weekend, um, I helped to put up some of our Christmas lights um, in Wimmington Village. Um, a few years ago, we planted a real Christmas tree, and it was about that big. And putting the lights on was, was quite easy, because it was quite a small tree. And uh, we got quite a lot of criticism for this terrible little Christmas tree, terrible lights. I mean, this time of the year, there's lots of stories about Christmas trees, Christmas lights that you might have seen. Anyway... Thankfully, this Christmas tree, we've carefully looked after it, had to water it a lot during lockdown, I have to say. But now it's grown to have been about bigger than this room. So it's a good-sized Christmas tree in the heart of Withington Village. So every year, we have to put lights on it to decorate it. So last weekend, it was that time. And uh, me being me, I had to go up the ladder to this quite tall Christmas tree. And uh, the kids and Rachel were like, don't fall off the ladder, because um, we'd had a bit of an incident on our street that week about that. Anyway... We went, and it was very safe. There was four people holding the ladder. We had a litter picker to get the star onto the top of the Christmas tree. It was all very well organized. Um, but anyway, we got the lights on the tree, and thankfully now they've turned on, and they look all right, actually. So, so it, it was good. Um, but we got there, and the lights were put on the tree, um, and uh, hopefully it'll help Withington Village look a little bit sparklier uh, this Christmas. But, you know, why do we put lights up um, at Christmas? Well, I think they look nice, but they also get rid of a bit of the darkness, don't we? This time of the year, we know that darkness sets in around 4 p.m. in the winter, and it goes on to about 8 a.m. the next morning. So it feels like it's a long time that, you know, dark nights, short days, um, and putting the lights up just helps us all to feel a little bit sparklier, a bit more Christmassy, um, and we do it on our high streets. We might do it in our front rooms in different ways. Uh, yesterday, I climbed up another ladder and put some lights on our, um, our porch at home. 
And uh, we've got quite a good little, you know, remote setting thing that so you can change the setting of how it works and everything like that. Um, so yeah, so that, that that was good. So we like to do that. Um, but we get a sense at this time of year how dark it was in the Bible, both physically and also metaphorically. So we talked about how physically it was because we didn't have any electricity. But also, darkness in the Bible uh, is linked to a life without God, without direction, without hope. And when we find this light, we even say, don't we? We're said to have seen the light. So when we see the truth or get purpose, those who, people who aren't Christians say, oh, they've seen the light. And I think it's a real identifying in our world that light is a good thing. Light helps us to grow, helps plants to grow, you know, helps our gardens to grow. But also, it guides us away from danger. If you're ever on a boat, you know, lighthouses stop us crashing into the rocks. Um, but also, light can lead us towards that place of safety. So after John chapter 8, when Jesus says, I am the light of the world, in this dark context in the world around him, he goes on to say in John chapter 9 and verse 5, while I am in the world, I am the light of the world. So Jesus again saying, while I am here, I am the light of the world. But we know now that Jesus ascended to heaven and he sent the Holy Spirit. So he's not in the world in the same way. So we see in the page of the Gospels that he clearly sets out that he is the light of the world. He is the source of that light. He is the eternal son of God. He comes to shine light, truth, hope and love and transformation into our lives that are in the dark without him. And we all know in our lives without Jesus we are in the darkness, and when we veer away from following him, that can happen to us all too. But the message, I think, develops a bit as he says, while I am in the world. So what happens to the light when he isn't in the world and ascends to heaven to send the Holy Spirit to quit the church, to be his ambassadors and his hands and feet on the earth? Well, I think in the Gospels, we see how that develops. Uh, in Matthew chapter 5, verse 14 to 15, Jesus says this. So remember in John, he says, I am the light of the world. But Jesus also says this. He says, you are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. So I think the disciples might have thought, well, Jesus, you're the light of the world. And now you're saying we're the light of the world. Well, which is true? Um, and understandably, the disciples, as they did, and I think I would have done as well, would have been a bit, what's Jesus really saying here? And obviously what he's saying is that both are true. Jesus is the light of the world, but also now the church is the light of the world. We, as his people, are the light of the world. And Jesus was limited by time, geography, place um, in his time in the New Testament and could walk around doing miracles, preaching to thousands, but he was one person in one place at one time. And he did miracles. He walked on water, as we've looked at. He did some amazing things, but he could only be in one place at one place at one time. Now, throughout history, he said to the church, you're the light of the world. You take the light that I've brought, and now you take it into the world. And throughout history, billions of people have taken that light and the gospel into the, all the countries of this world translated to the Bible into every single language. We have churches in pretty much every country of the world. So that mission is, is ongoing, but it's been relatively successful, I would say. Um, so you are the light of the world. And Jesus doesn't want us to hide 
that light. He wants us to put it on a bowl. He wants us to put it on a stand to give light to everyone in the house. Or to give it a bit more of a seasonal angle, and it's good to see a few Christmas jumpers dotted around today. Here at Christmas time, no one switches on their Christmas lights and leaves them under the kitchen table. So yesterday, I was testing out our Christmas lights. As always, takes a little bit of untangling. Batteries didn't quite work first time, but we got them working. Um, and it's always good to test your lights before you get up the ladder to put them up, I've learned over the years. But you wouldn't do that at home. You wouldn't light all your Christmas lights and then leave them where nobody could see them. You want people to see them. You want either people in your family or people in your street. I like how sort of people like pull their curtains back so everybody can see their Christmas tree and their decorations. And sometimes you get a bit of Christmas tree envy, don't you, on some streets and a bit of competition. Uh, that might be where we live. Um, but we display them to give light to our home and our streets and our communities. And Jesus here, as he always does, empowers us and sends us to continue doing the same of what he showed us about bringing the kingdom and the gospels to all the world around us. He brought light into the world all around him. He brought healing, a message of truth and love and salvation. And he was saying to the church, now it's your turn. You keep doing this. You know, don't be uh, shy. Don't put your light under a bowl. Um, People sort of say sometimes that's about don't like, you know, don't be too uh, humble and be confident about putting out what you're saying about Jesus. You know, put it on a stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. And I was thinking back to when we were at the McCulloch's recently for the bonfire night gathering about when we went out into the garden, did the s'mores and all that was really nice. Then we did the sparklers, didn't we? And uh, so I was a bit nervous with the kids about which end they're going to grab. But it was all safe. It's very well organized. And we had these sparklers. So one person lights their sparkler, and then somebody else lights their sparkler. And then before you know it, like 20 people have all got a sparkler. And like the light had been passed around to everyone. And everyone gets to see the light, and the, you know, the back garden gets lit up. And it's a little bit like that, I think, with Jesus, that obviously he brings the spark and the light. And he did in the Gospels, in, in the New Testament, but he never wanted to hold it to himself. He wanted the church to be the light. So he passed that on. And then we pass that on for one another. And then we start new churches. We disciple one another. We plant. And it's like those sparklers kind of going round. And obviously analogies only go so far. Sparklers don't last very long. But with the Gospels, Jesus' light doesn't go out. Um, and the key is to make sure that we keep reigniting that sometimes, I would say, to ensure that our light in this world remains constant um, and that it has that impact that we want to see. Um, Jesus' words to us that we are the light of the world applies to us as individuals as we go about our daily lives at work and at home and with our families, in our streets, in our communities, but also collectively as the church. Um, as members of his church, we are his light and together we can do that. Uh, we can be as he is and that's our mission in this world. You know, Jesus was sent by the Father, and now he sends us. Jesus healed the sick, and now he empowers us to do the same. He offered compassion and love to all those around him, and now he empowers us um, to do the same. Um, and I think there's lots of ways that we can apply that, and it's great that we're going to do presents again for the, the children at Gemma's School, because that's a great way of demonstrating compassion, of love, of reminding people that, you know, the church 
is there to love those who may not have as much as those around them. We see this theme of darkness and light all the way through the Bible. It's a fantastic theme of scripture, and you can see why Jesus was so clear about the I am the light of the world. In Isaiah 9 verse 2, the prophet said, the people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. And all the way through Isaiah, and we read about this at this time of the year, particularly in Isaiah 9, Isaiah was foretelling Jesus' coming um, in Advent, in the incarnation, in his death and his resurrection, about the light that he would bring to a dark world, both physically um, and metaphorically as well. So, just as we close, how do we then, as Jesus did, bring light into this world, into our everyday lives that often sometimes feel full of darkness and need of light. Yet we've all got pretty good street lights now, LED lights in Manchester. You know, you might have that in Stockport where you live or other places. But so we have light in our world. We see sparkling lights, but actually look beyond the physical light and we do see darkness still all around us, don't we? People's lives without hope, without direction, without truth, without Jesus, and their lives may be in darkness. So how do we bring that light? I believe we can do that by, as Jesus did, offering hope by praying for those who are sick or in need. We can offer support through love, compassion, and encouragement. Those things go a long way for somebody who is in darkness. And you, you will all know people, either in your family, at work, in your community, who just needs that love and that compassion and encouragement. And I believe by doing that, we bring light into their world and through that help them point uh, our lives towards Jesus. We can serve and offer that steadfast presence of Jesus in our homes, communities, and our church families. When we speak the truth in our workplaces, we shine light into what can sometimes be complex situations, bringing hope and assurance to those all around us. You know what it's like sometimes when you're in a really complex situation and somebody just brings the truth. It just really cuts through, doesn't it? And it's like, that's what we need to all gather around. Sometimes those who aren't Christians can bring that. But even more, I believe, we as those who are disciples of Jesus can speak that truth to bring light into those situations. And I believe also we can bring light by taking time just to listen and offering assurance and hope of the gospel that brings light into the darkness that can sometimes engulf people's lives. And I think at this time of the year, people are very aware of that. Um, you know, sometimes Christmas can be a really challenging time for some people because they're reminded of things that they may miss, you know, family that they're not in a good relationship with, you know, issues in their life that they want to see resolved. And I actually think this time of the year, we can be that light to those around us in those different ways. And that's the prayer for myself and us all, is that, that as we see Jesus as the light of the world, we can carry that on now all around us. So just in summary, I would say Jesus is the light of the world. We are also now the light of the world. So we take part in that mission together. And we know that the world all around us needs that light. Um, there is darkness, sadly. Uh, and there's an opportunity to shine God's light to all around us. Isaiah 60 verse 1 also says this, Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord rises 
upon you. There's just that wonderful hope, isn't there, in any scripture that I think talks about light, that it kind of just gives that sense of our mission and our uh, mandate to the world around us. And in John 1, verse 4 to 5, it says in, I'll go from verse 1, it says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. So right at the start of the chapter, with all the signs and sayings, John identifies Jesus as that light, and that that light shines in the darkness, and that darkness has not overcome it. And I would ultimately say it never, ever will. And for me, when I've been just thinking about how can I be more effective as somebody to take that light into the world, looking at other scriptures like Psalm 119, verse 1 to 5, where it says, your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. So sometimes if we, if we feel in our own lives, we may have, the light might not be as strong as it needs to be. And we want to see that reignited. We know it comes from his word, his spoken word, his written word the word of encouragement from those in our community. We know what that's like. It can reignite that light again for us all. So we want to be able to be the light of the world, but we need to have a strong light in our own lives. So I think that was the thing that really challenged me as I was preparing this week, just about how God's word is a light unto our path and a lamp unto our feet. And just to see that reestablished for us all. And at this time of the year, we know that Jesus is the light of the world. But he challenges us that we are also the light of the world. So let's just pray as we close. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus, for what we've been looking at in the Gospel of John about the signs of sayings of Jesus. Thank you for the importance of those. Thank you for these I am statements and what we've looked at today that you say I am the light of the world. And we thank you for that. Thank you for the way you brought light into this world. You you know, shone light into the darkness, into the darkness of our lives, so that we would know you, Jesus, as Lord and Savior. And in that same way now, Lord, we thank you that you empower us and you send us to be your light, to be your hands, your feet, into the world all around us. Help us to to know that clearer and be confident in being your light in the world, that we would put the light of the gospel on a stand and we display it so the world around us can see you in us. Help us all in that mission, help us all in that journey, particularly as we go through this Christmas period, seeing family, seeing friends, seeing people in our communities, help us to shine your light into what often can be really dark situations. Uh, We thank you that you are with us and that you're for us and that your light shines in the darkness and that nothing can ever take that away. We thank you for your word to us today. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you.